You know, when we uh, try to see what the world economies are like and whether you're seeing growth and expansion, one of the things we always look at is the price of copper. You know, it trades actively in the futures market, and it historically has been a real good gauge of expansion. As you think about it, you use copper and, you know, copper pipes, and if you're going to build a building or cities are expanding or whatever, there's a big demand for it. And there's always been a demand for copper. I mean, it goes up and the price goes up and down. But but now it's being used in all sorts of other things, and especially electric vehicles. This is a good time to be in the copper business, at least I would think. Nolan Peterson is the CEO of World Copper, which is based in Canada, but operates mostly out of Chile. And he joins us right now. It's good to have you with us. Thank you, David. Great to be here. So I, have I misstated anything about copper that <laughs> you said? I, I've always seen it as a, real, as a really good reflection of expansion or contraction in the economy. That, that's right, David. Um, my background is actually engineering. I'm a metallurgist, so I'm very familiar with copper and the needs. And I like to tell people that copper uh, has been with humanity from the, from the start. It elevated us literally out of the Stone Age. And now it's going to help us become a part of the electric age or even more electric age. And another common name in line with what you're saying for copper is Dr. Copper, because it's a bellwether for the health of the economies going forward. So, yes, definitely you are you are on point with that. But, you know, I, again, I think of it as, you know, the industry for copper pipes and, and that sort of thing. But you all are in it now for the electrification that's going on right now. How does it play into electrification? Yeah, well, definitely. Copper has amazing properties for electric transmission and conductivity. Uh, it's the best element used at a mass scale. I mean, things like gold and silver are good conductors as well, but you can never use them at the scale we use for copper. So what you're seeing uh, as we as the world's economies are trying to limit greenhouse gas and climate change increases, we're trying to push for electrification, electric vehicles, solar power, wind turbines. They all use a tremendous amount of copper, increasing demand over the levels that we're seeing today. So you've always had, like you said, the infrastructure for copper, the westernization of certain economies like China and India as they build up their cities and infrastructure to our standards um, and you know build up their electrical networks. But you add on top of that this greenification demand and that's what's leading us to believe that copper is going into what's called a super cycle. So copper, as with many commodities, is typically a, a, a cyclical metal. It goes up and down in different expansion regimes by different uh, companies to match that demand. But as we enter this state of heightened demand, which could last for decades, that's really what we're trying to capitalize on and be in advance of that. And I think that the general market uh, is not really fully comprehensive of the need for copper. As you mentioned, you know, electric vehicles are using copper a lot. People are investing in electric vehicle companies, but do they see the connection with copper, which uses four times as much copper in an electric vehicle as the combustion engine vehicle? I'm not sure that many people are aware of. Yeah, uh, no, no, you, like you, you, I think you make a great point. But I mean, copper is not. I mean, it's not like it's not like gold or silver or diamonds or something like that. It's not particularly rare, is it? It's fairly. It's actually. It's fairly ubiquitous. I thought. It, and that's what a lot of people think, too. And to be fair, yes, it's definitely more common than uh, diamonds and gold and silver, but it's a lot less common than aluminum and iron, which I think it often gets grouped into. So, for example, an iron mine might have a grade that's 
50 or 60% of the ore that you're mining is iron, aluminum similarly, whereas copper now, we've seen grades reduce from 1.5% to now below 1% over the last 30 years. Um, and when grades have, that pushes up your uh, operating costs twice as much, your capital twice as much, just to mine the same amount of copper. So it's actually becoming more and more challenging to find the copper because all the so-called near-surface deposits have been scooped up over the past few decades. They're becoming more and more expensive to develop, more and more expensive to operate. Um, and some of these massive mines are just very challenging to permit uh, these days as well. So, so, so is, that getting... what, is that what's happening here in the lower 48? Because I always think of you know, some of the biggest copper mines in the world, I think, are probably in Utah. A lot of the biggest copper mines in the world are in the United States, but really the biggest copper country is Chile, which accounts for up to 30% of the world's copper production really? from one single, yes, from one single country, which is why we are uh, dealing in Chile primarily with our assets down there. Um, but yeah, you know, the bigger these projects get because you need the, the scale to make them economic now, the more permitting challenges they run into, the more um, issues you get with construction. Sure cost billions of dollars to put a large-scale copper project into production these days, and it has to really make a lot of sense over the ensuing decades. Uh, so yes, it's becoming a, a challenge, and that's the supply side, and then the demand side that we spoke about earlier. So it's really putting a confluence on copper, where analysts are calling for even higher prices by the end of 2025, for example. I believe Goldman Sachs was saying $6.50 by the end of 2025. We're currently at $4.30. This is US dollars per right. pound. So plenty of room for growth. Um, and there's I've seen charts where you can look at mines that are have a probability of coming online by the end of the decade. And if you include all of those mines, and we're, we're still 12 billion pounds a year of copper short uh, compared to what uh, the demand will be. So you have a lot of demand for copper and, and a growing demand for copper. Mm -hmm. But the supply is, in your case, way down in Chile. you got to get it from, I mean, it's one thing to mine it, but then you have to transport it up to where the demand is. That's got to be costly, too. It can be, yeah. So there's two types of, primarily two types of mining of copper, and this is really what's uh, setting, is going to set world copper apart with our project. But I'll, I'll keep it high level right now. There's sulfide flotation, which is what produces a lot of the world's copper. And that actually requires shipping a concentrate. So you mine it and then you concentrate the material into a 30% material. Then you put it onto a boat and you ship it usually to somewhere in Asia where they smelt it. Then you get the usable copper. Often places like China and Korea use a lot of copper, but it can also be shipped back to the United States or Western markets. Then there's another way of producing copper, which is oxide heat leaching, which is what my company is focusing on with our asset called Escalonis. That's actually a cleaner and greener way of producing copper. You actually produce 100% pure copper with electricity rather than uh, smelting, uh, smelting process. It's a lot cleaner and it keeps the product 100% made at site and then it's usable in the local region. So for example, for us, that would be Chile. There's plenty of use for copper in, in pretty much any country around the world. Um, but that's uh, one less step and it's cleaner uh, solution for that. You know, the other commodity that we're hearing a lot about, and I think you guys used to be in this business, is lithium. It is what Elon Musk was talking about, uh, lithium and, and his batteries. And I think he's tied up some 
lithium in, I guess, in Nevada. But, mm -hmm. but Hannah, you got out of the lithium business to get into copper? No. So Wealth Minerals is the company that deals primarily in lithium in Chile. And they, uh, our chairman uh, has a friend who's also helping him with Wealth Minerals named Marcelo Awad. They got to thinking a couple of years ago, uh, Marcelo Watt has an extensive history in Chile and copper. He was the CEO of a, a major copper company down there for a number of years. Uh, they got to thinking this is a perfect opportunity for us to find some undervalued assets in Chile and put them into a copper company. And that's how Wealth Copper was created. And then we sp that company was spun out into World Copper uh, earlier this year. We trade on the TSXV as WCU. So we're a separate company. Wealth Minerals, WML, still deals in lithium, and we deal in, in copper, both primarily in Chile. So are we copper also, and lithium found in the same place? Are they found together? No, no they are not necessarily found together. Um, however, for some reason, Chile has a lot of lithium as well. I think it's just they, they are, lithium reserves are often found in de desert and dry locations. Uh, which is why it's common in, in uh, Chile. And copper is, of course, very well endowed. Uh, Chile is very well endowed with copper. So it happens to be that uh, Chile is a leader in copper and lithium production, but they are not uh, in, inexorably intertwined. <laughs> well, it's fascinating. And, and the new use of, meanwhile, I mean, you have economic expansion continuing mm. around the world, so the conventional use of copper and now this, and, and even in cellular devices, they use copper now, right? Yes. I mean, literally anything that you that uses electricity uses a lot of copper. Um, and that's only going to become more and more common as we advance. I, I talk to people often and I say, what's your vision of the future? And they think carbon fibers, nanotechnology, you know, Star Trek, very clean <laughs> and pristine. Copper doesn't always have that image, but I mean, it's integral. It's, it is definitely integral to where we as a global economy are heading uh, and you know COP26 a couple of weeks ago or a month ago was very clear about that as well uh, whether you believe uh, or strongly that we need to do more or less uh, certainly copper is going to play a role in it you know you, you you're you're convincing and now I'm going to run outside and I'm going to reclaim the copper and the copper wires outside my house <laughs> before AT&T does because yeah <laughs> Well, no. it's easier to just invest in uh, in world copper than to do something like that. A good point. It's probably safer. Nolan Peterson, CEO, yes. CEO of World Copper. It's good to have uh, spend some time with you. I, I fascinating conversation. Thank you very much. Thank you, David. I should also say we trade in the U.S. under on the OTCQB market under the symbol WCUFF. That's uh, World Copper. Thank all right. you. For more of a conversation with Nolan Peterson, go to krld.com slash CEO of David Johnson. News Radio 1080 KRLD.